pushing buttons and pulling triggers. This is Gun Funny. Welcome to Gun Funny episode 210. Today I'm going to chat with Bill Dermody from HK, discuss the CDC's plan to spend millions on firearms, quote unquote, research, highlight a new red dot from Hollison, and talk about a new low in social media censorship. I am your host, Ava Flannell. Bill, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Of course. I'm really glad that I was able to get you on the show. We were just talking how a year ago I reached out and I mean, let's face it, 2020 was just crazy, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I felt like almost like a stalker trying to stalk you down. Like, Hey, Bill, did you forget about me? Hey, Hey, Bill, it's me again. Hey, you know, or like one of those really like annoying reporters that, you know, has a deadline and they just keep reaching out and you're like, clearly I don't want to talk to you, (laughs) but you know, me being persuasive, I got you on the show. So here we are. (laughs) Right on. Um, Finally make it. (laughs) You're like, yeah, great. Awesome. (laughs) Uh, before we start talking about HK, though, I just want to uh, talk about Smith & Wesson real quick. Well, I did finally, I just got the chance to shoot the new MMP-12s that they came out with that shotgun pump action. Um you know, actually, I've realized I don't really love pump action. It's kind of like the same with the bolt action. Like it kind of sucks because, you know, with shotguns, it's not as much, you know, shooting for accuracy, but like, it's like, once you get on your target or you get comfortable, it's like, oh, okay, well then you got to chamber a new round. Um, so I'm not, I've realized I'm not a huge fan of, of pump action, but it was fun. Um, looking at the pictures of it, I was like, all right, I'll be honest. It looked a little cheesy, but having it in my hand, I was like, all right, I definitely like it better in person than I do like seeing it on the internet. Uh, as far as shooting it, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, it looks just like a KSG. Yeah, it does have some similarities, but there's definitely a lot more refinements and how it's made and operates. So if you guys are curious as to, you know, my thoughts on it, check out my YouTube channel. I should be releasing that video in the next week. And uh, I don't know, I think you guys would be surprised as to what I have to say about it. But if you guys haven't heard, they did release it. It'll be probably, I guess now we're going on about a week, week and a half ago. Check it out at smith-wesson.com and with all the other great guns that they have out there. All right. So HK, before we start talking about HK, tell me a little bit about yourself and how you got started in the firearms industry. Oh man, I'll tell you what, I've been, I'm, I'm an old man. I've been floating around the industry for quite a while. So I've been here at HK for, for four years. And uh, prior to that, I was at Savage for 10 years. Uh, Prior to that, I was at Springfield Armory for four years. And prior to that, I was at Browning for six years. Wow. That's crazy. Well, for one, you know, how you usually, you know, I, I have no idea what you look like, but you know, when you talk to somebody and you're like, oh, no, they're they're probably like my age. They're kind of young. <laughs> Although the only thing that threw me off is your name, Bill. You know, nobody yeah, right. such an old school name. <laughs> yeah, my generation, uh, male names are one syllable and they start with B. So <laughs> Right. But other than that, I would have thought, you know, just how you sound. I'm like, oh, no, you're probably like, you know, 30s, 40s, whatever. But that's pretty impressive that you worked for all of those companies. Was firearm something that you grew up around or, you know, did you kind of develop an interest later on in life? 
interestingly enough, I started in my adult life. I I shot a lot in the Boy Scouts. I remember going off the Boy Scout camp and shooting. And you know, they had the NRA. I think it was a fifty foot rimfire uh, range and won all kinds of awards. And they actually had me stick around an extra week at Scout camp and help them work on the rifle range with the other Scouts and all that. Wow. Came home from scout camp, wanted to buy a single shot Savage rifle. And my mom had just not, she's not anti-gun, but she had just not been around guns. And she had that fear that a lot of people that aren't exposed to guns had, you know, if that gun hanging above the mantle can just go off by itself. And, you know, yeah. and my dad had served in the military and whatnot, but my dad just kind of looked at me and shrugged and went, dude, mom ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. So I had to wait. So I bought my first gun when I was in college and started pursuing it. And uh, so I was an avid shooter. I was shooting competition and spending all my spare time and spare money um, shooting um, and, and weaseled my way into my first uh, first gun job and just haven't turned back since. Wow, that's pretty impressive. And have you always stayed within the marketing realm of the firearms industry or did you kind of dabble in different departments? Yeah, no, I've stayed kind of in that marketing PR piece. My my degrees in public relations and just over the years, it's kind of morphed into kind of having the whole marketing piece, not just the PR piece. But yeah, I started as just kind of a lowly copywriter working in uh, Browning's uh, advertising department, you know, writing, writing news releases, writing copy for hang tags, um, just every little thing. And uh, it just it just stuck. Okay. And then your current position at HK right now is director of marketing? Correct. Okay. And what kind of work does that involve? Um, it involves kind of just all, you know, officially and unofficially lots of things going on. But um, for the most part, the biggest piece of it is the whole marketing communications piece of it. So uh, the advertising, the uh, the uh, social media, the websites, the um, the ambassador relationships. Uh, for some reason, our training department is tucked under me, and and all that. Um, I mean, I'll do all these things, but I'm accountable for all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also, I'm heavily involved in the product development side of things. As far as you know, I have a a, a role, albeit an unofficial one, in the product management. Uh, piece of of the company as well. So, hmm, okay, cool. Are you by chance the HK social media girl? <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> Which I don't even know. I was I was actually last night. You know, I'm like, okay, you got to know your guests. You know, so I was like, look at social media, and you know, just so I'm aware right. of like anything that's you know relevant. And I'm like, man, you guys are like a little brutal at times on your social media. Which I like it. I like that. Like. Because I think sometimes, you know, between you and I, sometimes the farms industry can be a little stuffy or straight laced. Oh, yeah. And and it's just like, uh, it, you know, so it's, it's kind of like a fresher breath air, especially when, you know, you guys like pretty much coined the term, like, don't be poor. And right. uh, <laughs> and I just think you definitely have a it's a funny way of like marketing stuff. But I know for a while, you know, social media girl was like a big thing for HK. And everyone is like, who do you think it is? And, you know, and I'm sure these guys, they probably start developing these like ideas like, oh man, she's got to be super hot and witty. And from my understanding, it actually ended up being a guy, right? 
Well, that's the first time I have ever been accused of being a social media girl. Um, I've got a, a woman who works for me, Angela Harrell. She's been accused of being social media girl uh, repeatedly. But uh, so yeah, there's been there's been kind of an ebb and flow to the the social media girl aspect in that um, you know there's always a line and we've had to find the line. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and we've kind of dialed it back and dialed it forward and trying to find that place where you're, you're being a little bit sassy and being entertaining and whatnot. But, um, you know, I was, I was talking to a friend that's in the social media business. He has a YouTube channel. And I said, John, it, it's different for me and you, because for you, social media is your work product. It is what you sell. Mm -hmm. uh, for us at HK, it's an appendage. We sell guns. Yeah. So we can't get so wrapped up in having a great time on social media that doesn't distract from the main mission of selling the gun. So, and I guess the only way you find that line is by stepping over it and stepping back and stepping over it and stepping back and, right. and kind of finding a comfort zone for it. So, yeah. Have you guys like experienced any real backlash from any of those oh, yeah. social media we've, posts? We've gotten in trouble, gotten in trouble with management, gotten in trouble with the parent company in Germany, gotten in trouble with customers. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah. So that's always so, fun. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know on a scale of one to ten where we are now, but we're certainly not at the ten anymore on the on the SaaS scale. But yeah, yeah. we try to keep it, you know, conversational because anything less is anti-social media, is what I call it. Yeah. So. No, I agree. What about you know, like ever since Every Town for Gun Safety and everything like that, like came out and and all these companies getting sued because they were like, well, the way that they advertise clearly they're, you know, marketing to children or, I mean, it was just, you know, I mean, you and I both know it was really stupid and also pretty unbelievable where you're like, really, you think that this means that they're marketing to, you know, potential like mass murders and just, just so over the top, you know, BS, but have you guys like, since that, like taken kind of a step back and like really made sure that like, whatever you guys are advertising that it's pretty clean cut as far as that goes, just because, you know, this type of like, you know, lawsuits and stuff like that are, are being right. pushed forward. Yeah. I think um, I haven't experienced, you know, obviously I've bounced around work for a few brands and I haven't had um, that accusation leveled against us at HK since I've been there. I think part of it is, um, the recipe changes when the job changes and the brand changes, right? So you need to have a certain amount of, of self-awareness of your brand, of who you are and what your message ought to be. Um, and so the, the message from the last job rarely works for the next job. So I just think the type of messaging we're doing really focuses on, you know, one of our, uh, we don't use it in an ad, but we, it's kind of our internal dialogue. We talk about serious tools for serious users. That's what we say. So if I'm looking at an ad, it doesn't necessarily say serious tools for serious users on it. But the question I always ask is, does this say serious tools for serious users? Mm -hmm. So that kind of kind of keeps us out of the realm of that accusation. But it, there's all kinds of accusations, as you know, that fly. And I think the most ridiculous one is targeting children. Yeah. Um, and I've had that leveled against me at a, at a different company um, where we were selling youth-oriented guns. But, you know, we were selling youth-oriented guns to the parents because surprise surprise the parents are the ones with the jobs mm -hmm. so really i'm marketing those guns to people who have money yeah um, exactly. and and little kids rarely have money yeah right that's the ridiculousness of that accusations so. yeah 
Yeah. I couldn't even, it's just, it's crazy. Like all the other issues that come with a job where you're like, man, that's really cool. But then you're also getting hit from all these different directions that most people wouldn't consider when being Mm -hmm. in you know, the marketing, but you know, anything was done at this point, I feel like they're, you know, trying to come at us from any, any angle and, you know, yeah, you Um, almost have to wear two different hats if you're sitting in my desk, because, you know, as far as marketing, the product goes, we're speaking to our people, our tribe, um, and you speak to them one way, but, um, but you need to shift gears with, um, speaking to people on the outside and speaking with the general media or the community or whatnot. And, um, you need to be sensitive to people like my mom, mm-hmm. right? Who not necessarily anti-gun, but uh, just due to lack of exposure. My mom's a gun owner now, but this was years ago. Yeah. Uh, but uh, who just have a knowledge deficit, and a lot of times with that knowledge deficit comes a certain amount of fear. So, you know, as much as I like to be a brash marketer, and um, there's a time and place for that, and you need to be sensitive to people's uh, hesitancies. Yeah, absolutely. I'm also kind of surprised, like based on, you know, like your experience and I can only assume your age that you didn't really take the FUD approach, <laughs> No, you know, which is pretty impressive that you're still pretty hip, you know, considering. All right. So changing up a little bit. So you guys just announced a 22 uh, version of the MP5, which, yeah, which was today. Granted, the show comes out on Monday, so it'll be a few days, but tell us a little bit about that gun. Uh, sure. Uh, it's, it's, it's an MP5. I mean, <laughs> so one of the coolest guns, probably the most iconic gun, um, that HK has ever made. And when you, when you, if and I actually did a marketing survey once where I said, you know, line people up and said, name one HK firearm and yeah. 100% of the respondents said MP5 was the yeah. first thing out of their mouth. So we have an MP5 that is, that is an, a one-to-one scale. Uh, replica in 22 uh, rimfire, and I got to give credit to our to our uh, partner on this, Azumarex, um, also a German company. Um, they are the rimfire specialists, so um, they they made these guns to our specifications and to our needs, and and we're the exclusive distributor of these guns. But they're they're really, I mean, I mean, for they are being rimfire a little bit lighter than a nine millimeter version of a of an MP5, but still they've got some heft to them. Um, so where they just, they just don't feel like a toy in your hand. Like sometimes a room fire gun can, but they're a mm-hmm. one-to-one scale, exact size. There's a pistol version. And I say pistol, we're just doing audio here. I'm mm-hmm. doing air quotes with my fingers, right? The right. Pistol and, a, and a rifle version uh, of the gun that, uh, yeah, for a guy like me, I, even though I work here, I can't afford a true MP5 pre-band. Um, Select fire yeah. models, so, yeah. so I'm relegated. And then even on the SP5, the semi-automatic version, feeding at nine millimeters, pretty expensive too. Um, so for it's a great MP5 if you love the MP5 to that's affordable to own and shoot. So what are the the pre-band ones going for? Like right now, it's like what, like forty thousand? It's right around forty thousand, depending. I suppose if you had one that was really beat, um, yeah, you you would pay less for it, but. Um, it's just insane. Yeah, they're expensive. I I remember years and years and years ago, a friend telling me that he'd bought an MP5 and paid five thousand dollars for it, and I thought it was crazy. Um, and now you're just like, can we go back to that? And I'd be like, where did you buy it? And I need. Had I known, like, <laughs> I would have maxed out the credit card. <laughs> right. And you tell your wife, like, no, babe, trust me, it's going to pay off. It's it's, it's our- <laughs> the best. 
<laughs> this is going to work way really better a, than the stock market. Yeah. I don't yeah. think it really, is it really an investment if you never plan to sell it? Oh, I know. And that's, that's actually one thing is, so that's my problem is any guns that I get, even if I don't like the guns, like if I get a gun for, you know, t and I'm not going to get rid of it. I don't like, I never sell my guns. And, you know, I mean, who knows, maybe, you know, after this flood, you know, that took over my house and stuff. And I'm like, ah, you know, Tickles and I, we need to, you know, we need to make some repairs. No, I mean, in terms of <laughs> yeah, like, all right, time to unload some of these guns. And it's also kind of tempting too, like, you know, like around 2020, I mean, even now guns are selling at like an all time high. And so it was like, huh, now would be the time to like, get rid of some of those guns that like, I hate that I've only shot once, but I still can't bring myself to do it. Yeah, I've sold very few over the years, and usually they tend to be more utilitarian type of guns. You know, yeah, I'll, I'll sell a beige Camry, but I won't sell a red Corvette. So any kind of performance-oriented product I have, I'll just keep forever. <laughs> right. Uh, let's talk about the VP9. So that was actually one of my favorite sure. handguns that you guys came out with, and oh, I mean, just the ergonomics of it felt great in your freaking hand. Like I just remember just being super impressed with it. One of, I actually, so I have a, you know, a group of Patreons and I told them that I was going to have you on the show and I asked them, you know, Hey, if you guys have any questions, let me know. Um, one was apparently, and I didn't realize this, but you guys, have you had issues in the past where if it gets wet, it doesn't operate as well? I haven't seen that. Um, but any gun, if you get it wet, you should dry that sucker right out. Right. <laughs> well, and I also, I have to love like some of these torture tests where it's like, if we, if we run over it with a tank, will it still operate? And you're like, all right, but who owns a tank and who the hell's running over their guns? But all right. Yeah. What about, are you guys like planning on releasing any new VP series in the near future? Yeah. In fact, we have, we've, you know, funny thing is, is during this whole COVID environment we just released a flurry of different models i mean right at the beginning of it we had our optics ready models of the vp9 and then um there was our long slide our long slide match optics ready the uh optics ready tactical version i see we have a push button version now of the k model we've got a lot of stuff coming out we've got a new variant coming out in just a few weeks but it's top secret still Mm, but it's going to be released in a few weeks. Mm-hmm. Mm, okay, cool. And then how has COVID affected your guys's manufacturing and stuff? I mean, we've had a lot of the same supply chain issues that uh, a lot of people have had. We've been uh, fortunate that both here in Columbus, Georgia, and also in our, in our factory in, um, in Oberndorf, Germany, um, while we have had some some issues and some slowdowns um, due to work at home and things like that, we just haven't had this like this grand uh, crippling of of the company that some some people have had that had to shut down the whole place for a while and clear it out. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, just the nagging supply chain issues that that um, you know even raw materials don't come on time that slows down the whole process, right? Um, we've got a new product that we're working on that's under development. And, uh, you know, when, when COVID hits one of your vendors that's supplying you, uh, that slows down the whole process. So it's kind of, it's kind of given the whole process on, on everything we do, arterial sclerosis, but it hasn't killed us yet. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I'm going to take a quick break real quick. Talk about primary arms. Primary arms reticles are in optics other than just what you'd see in primary arms. Their ACSS Vulcan reticle was added to the Holosyn 507 earlier this year. I posted a video of it. If you haven't checked it out, you should. The pistol red dot's really cool as it has a larger like outer circle. So if you're aiming it correctly, you don't see it. But if you see the edge of that outer circle, then you know exactly how to adjust it to get you know back on target quicker, which I think is actually a really great tool, even if you're teaching somebody how to use a red dot. Because how many times you're like, all right, you see that little red dot in there? And they're like, no. And they're like moving it all around. You're like, you don't see it at all. So I think if nothing else, you know, it would be a great tool to teach somebody, but it's also great to know exactly where to move it to get back uh, centered. After they released that, a lot of people were asking for the green version. I'm a big fan of, you know, green dots. Primary Arms, they just released the green version. They're in stock right now at primaryarms.com for $349. Uh, Just remember, if you're looking to get any other Primary Arms optics and you use the code AVA, you're going to get a free scope mount with every optic that you buy that's a Primary Arms brand. Again, check that out, primaryarms.com. I'm curious, Bill, have you guys talked about maybe adding, you know, like possibly building in-house, like within the U.S. I know you guys added, you know, uh, manufacturing back in, what was it, like 2017 in Georgia. But if you guys thought, like, for example, like IWI, they now have, you know, a manufacturing facility here in the U.S. Just because if nothing else, I feel like COVID taught us like, hey, maybe it's not a good idea to rely completely on, you know, out of the country sources. Granted, I know HK is from Germany, but Have you guys thought about, like, have you talked about doing that at all? Yeah, and that's part of the process we're we're going through now is um, kind of diversifying our manufacturing base. I don't think um, we're looking to do anything as as huge and as massive as what they've got going on in Oberndorf, but we've got a few uh, assembly projects that that we, you know, we've got some parts that come in from Oberndorf, and then we assemble the guns and do some some machining here in the U.S. on our MR series of rifles and our HK-45 pistols, our, our U.S. Uh, products. And then we're, we're working on a product now that will probably launch uh, sometime in the fourth quarter of this year that will be entirely designed and manufactured in the United States. Nice. I'm really excited to see what that is. I'm going to ask about the MP7, which I mean, I'm sure you knew was coming, and sure. even the G36. So those are just you know a few you of the really ask, right? yeah, those are just a few of the really cool guns that we can't get here in the U.S. Um, you guys, you know, bringing the MP5 back in the U.S. market was certainly a big hit. Are there any plans to bring more of those guns that we can't get into the U.S.? Well, let me ask you: Do you think we could sell them? Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, let me, maybe if I just talk about kind of the general process of getting one of these guns, because the MP5 or the SP5 was a multi-year project. Um, I hate to use the term bureaucracy, but there are essentially three entities that we have to deal with to make this happen. I mean, you have your internal um, red tape at any company of any size that you work with, um, whatever 
getting projects approved, getting them on track. Um, and in the case of like the SP5, it was competing with with the MP5 for shop time. In the middle of that project, we had some big MP5 contracts that we were filling. So they waited. <laughs> um, we waited on uh, the MP5 projects to, to get farther along before we were able to get SP5. So there, there's the internal process that we have to deal with. And then to export guns out of Germany, um, we have to deal with the German regulators um, on that. So for certain things to, to be approved um, by the government, take a certain amount of time and then then be able to to in turn import those those firearms into the u.s now we're dealing with the atf so i've i've dealt with two pretty large uh cumbersome uh bureaucracies sometimes to, just to get to the point where i'm ready to start talking to the atf on some of these things mm-hmm. um so it just it just takes times and 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 everybody has their own quirks interestingly enough the, the barrel length, the pistol versus SBR versus rifle issue is an ATF issue only. Hmm. Like I could, I could export an SBR out of Germany. They don't hmm. care about that over hmm. there from a regulatory standpoint. So, you know, so, so that, that gun becomes a pistol so I can get it into. So you, it, it's a, so the MP7 does have some peculiar challenges in complying with everybody's regulations in order to make that happen. But I personally would love to see it here. Um, and that certainly is on a wish list, but, uh, you know, if you're, if you're, if you're holding out to Christmas money for it, go ahead and spend it on something money. else. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's funny. You guys just re-released the SL8 to the U.S., you know, even though I think everyone was hoping for the G36, um, right. how has the public responded to the SL8? Um, I think they're all accounted for, um, isn't it? I would say probably three quarters of those guns will end up being G36 conversion projects. Yeah. It, it becomes a donor gun. So, so, um, Tom Bostic was, you couldn't have been anybody happier than Tom Bostic when we, um, when we started importing SL8s and yeah. for, for your listeners who aren't, aren't familiar with Tom, Tommy built tactical, um, yeah. he, 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 basically 3d prints all the g36 shaped parts um for the sl8 and it sounds very simple it's not Mm -hmm. um tom actually has a lot of uh experience in hollywood effects and costumes and and fabrication and things like that and he works his magic on the sl8 and and makes a pretty darn good g36 shaped object out of a out of an SL8. So I would I would say probably three quarters of those guns are probably gonna be converted by Tommy. Hmm. Yeah, I know. That's pretty much what I was seeing as well, like on the internet and within my Patreon group that everyone was saying. One thing, so kind of going back to earlier times. So I think everybody always thought that Glock was the first company to produce the first Palmer pistol, but it was actually Ooh. HK. Right. Which is yep. like crazy. What was that like in 1970 or something? Oh, you caught me. I don't. I don't remember the dates. It it, it might have been 1970 because it was the VP70. Wow, was the and it was also the first striker fired pistol. The striker fired and polymer. Wow. So yeah, the, the first Glock was made by HK. Yeah, that's so crazy. I actually <laughs> I didn't know until I started doing some research that I always just thought that it was Glock. Yeah, and there's a really crazy version of that gun. Um, and I'm missing the, the nomenclature on it, but it's 
it's it's a burst fire version of the VP70 where it only works in burst fire if you attach this buttstock to it. Mm -hmm. And the cyclic rate is the most insane thing. Um, but it fires a three round burst with every time you pull the trigger and the round and it fire and it's such a fast cyclic rate that literally you see three rounds almost touching <laughs> come out of the pistol as you shoot it. Um, wow. And we've got one of those here in our gray room that not long after getting hired here, I was able to talk to powers that be into letting me shoot it. So. Oh, wow. And how was it? It was awesome. Yeah. It's great. And then when it, when the cyclic rate is that fast, it's almost like recoil is a non-factor. Like the gun does not have time to rise. Yeah. yeah. Huh. Wow. Another groundbreaking gun was like the G11, which a lot of people want you to bring that back. Um, it's kind of <laughs> like the ultimate space gun, even though it's, uh, I mean, it's, it's pretty practical. <laughs> well, to be fair, we never really brought it out in the first place. You know, it, it got, it got close. Uh -huh. um, and then for your listeners, not for me, the G11 was a, a prototype gun that was designed to shoot caseless ammunition. So basically, um, the propellant was a, a, a solid compressed material um, that, that was the case itself. And then the bullet was kind of embedded in the front of this caseless propellant. So when you fired it, uh, there's no ejection. The, the propellant consumed itself and, and, the, and the projectile came out of it. And, um, very futuristic gun about the time HK was developing that and it was developing it with um, a lot of support from the, at that time, uh, West German government. And that was about the time of the reunification of Germany. And then when they looked, I guess they looked at things, things in East Germany as they were re reunifying Germany and the, the infrastructure and everything, it was just going to cost them so much money. They, they basically had to decide between, completing development of the G11 or, or rebuilding Eastern Germany. Wow. And they decided to rebuild East Germany rather than continue the development of this rifle. So we've got some prototypes and, and uh, in our gray room here, but uh, yeah. Man, that's gotta be like an awesome room to be in. For me, it's the, the most interesting part of the gray room is the stuff that never happened. Right. Yeah. Things like the G11 and the XMA and things like that, 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 or, or like the evolutionary, this is an early prototype of the MP5. I mean, you know, I guess I'm jaded from working here for so long and Hey, there's another MP5 hanging on the wall. Yeah. Um, but you know, yeah, here's, here's just the, early to see the earlier prototypes. And yeah, the one that didn't work so great. And then they fixed yeah. it. And then, you know, that's cool stuff to see. Yeah, no, I could just imagine. And just, I mean, just the thought process that goes into the development, like all this work. And at what point do you realize like, all right, this might've seemed like a good idea, but we're going to cut production <laughs> because it's just, it's not worth it. We've changed our minds. And I can only imagine like being the engineers behind these guns. And you're like, damn, that was my baby. And now it's like, we're just going to put that in a little box, close yeah. it and just not talk about it anymore. Yeah. In a lot of cases, it was years in development. Yeah, exactly. That's, I mean, because people think that like, oh, you know, you have all these great engineers, you know, behind the company, which I'm not saying you don't, but it still takes years to develop. And when you talk about, you know, with me, like interviewing so many companies and people in the industry and, and they're like, yeah, so that's been in development for five years. And, and you're just like, man, to spend that much time thinking about it. You can't talk to the public about it. Nobody, you know, nobody can know about this, but it's on your mind. 
and you're trying to figure out, you know, all of these solutions and how to make it better and perfect it before it comes out to the wild, if it even comes out into the wild. And then there's sometimes where you waste years and it's like, eh, it's just not going to work. We can't, we can't make it happen. And we, there's the expression in product development that it's, it's a funnel, not a tunnel. Yeah. So not, not every project that you start goes in the tunnel and comes out the other end, right? It's yeah. a lots of things go in the wide end and a, and a few winners come out the narrow end. And that's, you know, that's the process of research and development. Um, and, you know, nowadays, boy, you spend a lot of money burning ammo, testing things. Oh, I can only imagine. Especially, that's well, not- yeah, especially now. And you're like, yeah, oh, that's cool. We're not going to, we're not going to recover from that. <laughs> Yeah, because ammo is just so expensive. Even, uh, you know, well, I'm going to take another quick break. Talk about Caldwell. I did go on the range this weekend and was burning through ammo like nobody's business. And I'm like thinking to myself, all right, technically, I didn't pay for this, but technically, if I spent the prices, you know, 2021 prices, I'm like, I just spent like probably a thousand dollars easily in ammo. And it's like, Oh, it's kind of hard to, you know, but one thing, um, so when I was like testing out the MP 12, I was actually shooting slugs. Uh, that was all I had at the time is just these slugs. So I typically shoot indoors. I was shooting outdoors, but the cool thing about shooting the slugs is I was able to, uh, aim it at the steel targets and was using my Caldwell shooting targets. And um, they're just incredibly affordable. They're AR 500 rated targets, but they definitely don't really sacrifice on the quality because, you know, like I said, I was shooting these slugs at them and it didn't even make like a dent. And then I was like, also kind of thinking like, they're so freaking affordable that even if it did mess it up, I'm like, cool, just replace it. Like they've got five inch targets as low as, you know, under 20 bucks that are a third size Ipsic targets for $43.99. So they're definitely some of the most affordable seal out there that, you know, I would say that you should add to your range. If you want to check that out, head on over to caldwellshooting.com. Don't forget to use the code gunfunny10 and that gets you 10% off your first order. Changing up a little bit, with, uh, you know, COVID and, and it sucks because it kind of seemed like there was sort of, you know, speaking of tunnels, like a end at the tunnel, like, okay, maybe we're getting over the worst and things are starting to open up again. And we were going to have, you know, NRA annual meetings, which when the show comes out, we would have been in Texas at this point. Has it affected you guys? Like, has it messed up anything? Like figure there really hasn't been any shows that have gone on now within at least a year. Yeah, the funny thing is, is one initiative that was in my 2020 budget was to really ramp up the show. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just go to lots of shows we've never been to in the past and go in a bigger way than the shows we've been going to. And, and uh, yeah, sometimes you just don't meet all your goals. Yeah, so right. That's kind of <laughs> cramped our style on that. But, you know, you, you, you know, you can't, you got to operate in the world that is not the world that you wish you were in. So you just, accept the totality of the situation you're in. Okay. Now we got money to do something else with. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I'm kind of interested to see even if like shot show happens this year, there's like maybe a 5% chance that I feel like it might happen, but 
And even that I feel like is like being extremely like positive thinking. So yeah, I think there's I a know. lot that goes into that decision. I mean, there are, um, you know, the NSSF is going to have to decide whether they want to do a shot show or not. And then Las Vegas may not want to have a shot, you know, yeah. there, there's, there's lots of ways that can get derailed. Yeah, absolutely. One last question before I ask you, you know, what your future plans are, but one thing I'm actually surprised about is, you know, I mean, you guys have added a few micro like concealable micro pistols to the lineup, but are you guys like thinking about jumping on that bandwagon now or like where you're going to put out maybe something that's even smaller, more mag capacity? Sure. Uh, you know, concealed carry is an important part of the market, not just the market for HK. I mean, yeah. it's just, you can't deny it. That kind of goes into what I was talking about with the import export regulations. If the gun is small enough, it has to be made here. Mm-hmm. And I'll just leave it at that. Okay. Okay. Good to know. And then future plans that you can share with us. Uh, you know, we're going we're to continue to flesh out the VP line. We're going to continue to diversify our, our SP line. Uh, and I would consider this, these rimfire additions kind of additions to that family and our rifle line. And and um, and something different we're doing just in our approach. Um, while we didn't get to go to a lot of the shows that we added on, we've, um, we've really expanded our training presence. Uh, years ago, um, there was an they called the international training division for HK where HK was running a school or going around training everybody. And, and we're not doing that approach, but what we have done is, um, you know, when we do a media event, we don't just have a range day. We have a training day. We hire instructors, we come in and we learn how to shoot. And we, mm-hmm. we form partnerships with uh, various trainers around the country. And, uh, and I think that's for us, it's a, it's, it's an imperative. We want people, we want to do what we can not to just, not just sell guns, but to encourage people to be responsible gun owners. I think that's that sometimes is a trite phrase that if somebody stayed out of trouble, um, they get to be called a responsible gun owner. But um, we want to encourage people to go out and get instruction. Mm-hmm. You know, there's instruction, there's training, there's practice. Those are all different things, right? Um, and, and all of them are important. So, you know, you probably have seen and you, and you will see in the future um, more of us and we don't we don't just talk it we live it i mean just last week i was at a i was at a two-day carbine class and, and and i'm headed off to another training event that we're doing with um hk pro which is the a forum that we don't we don't run it's just all the hk fanboys right mm-hmm. they're putting on a, a, a training event modeled after a different event that we did and we're showing up there and you know so hmm. we want to do what we can to encourage that training element of, of gun ownership. And, and I think it's, it's not only a moral imperative, I think it's good business. I think if you can encourage th- people to take things more seriously, they become better long-term customers too. Oh yeah, absolutely. One. And I also, I mean, you know, let's face it, HK products aren't, you know, they're, they're definitely a lot more expensive And it's one of those things where people are like, oh, well, if I just, you know, buy this really expensive gun, you know, I don't really need as much training or that's where they put all their money towards is the product and not the training. And as a firearms instructor, I see this a lot. And I think it is extremely important to train on on all levels. In fact, that's what I was doing this last weekend is my friend, he's a firearms instructor. And I'm like, all right, 
I've been slacking because I've been training. I mean, 2020, I trained more classes. I, I was training like five days a week. It was insane. And as a result, you don't really make a lot of time for yourself. So I felt like I just pretty much sucked. Like, even though I have great sponsors and, and every time I tell people like who my sponsors are, they're like, wow, you must be a great shooter. And I'm like, no, I don't think that's why they sponsored me. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I can make do and I can hit my targets, but I told them, I was like, just go hard on me. Just, you know, let's do this, whatever I'm doing, whatever I'm screwing up on, you know, let's do this. And like, I got to say like, uh, cause we were training with ARs and my arms, my arms are actually probably still sore. It's like uncertain parts and stuff, because I also, one thing I'll talk about is my optic. I had issues with my optic, stupid me, like didn't have any of the, um, I didn't bring extra batteries or any, um, any tools. So I had to use this other gun, which was a much heavier AR that I'm used to. And it's like, talk about an arm workout, but I was like, and I wasn't feeling well. I threw up previously that morning, but I was like, whatever, we just got to do it. Let's just, you know. So I think that that's a great idea, uh, especially as a company that, you know, that's pushing training because that's, that's like, to me, that's the most expensive or the most important thing is like, you know, handling firearms well, and just really pushing that education and training and, you know, and then as a result, I think that they'd also develop, you know, more passion for it and you'll create, you know, longer customers. So well, like I said, you know, we internally we say serious tools for serious users, and yeah, and just because of the price point we're operating in, um, you know, we we kind of landed on that, right? The, the guy that's that's shooting HKs is is probably is either a serious user or a serious collector or whatever, but we don't want it to be just a t- trite phrase that we we make a mission statement and hang it on a wall or whatever. It's like, okay, what are we doing? Yeah, to actually encourage this seriousness, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what are we doing to promote this? How do we incorporate that into our brand identity and not just say it to each other and feel good about it? So. Yeah. So if people want to join any of this training, where can they find information about it? Um, we're in the process of putting some information up on our website right now. Currently, there's only the armors courses on the website, but we've we've got partnerships with um, with some trainers um, that are like when you go there, it's obvious that it's an HK school, and we haven't kind of we haven't finished the update yet, but. There will be a listing of that on our website soon. That mm-hmm. will say, "Hey, and we're and we're actually going to start using our our social media, and we have done it a little bit on social media, but just using our email list where we say, "Hey, if you're in this zip code, then we can say, hey, there's a there's a class being taught by the complete combatant Brian Hill um, in your area, and we're gonna we we can hit you with an email if you subscribe to our list if you and." You know, we do a little survey. So, okay, what's your zip code? So, okay, so now if there's an event in your area, so one thing you can do is is definitely subscribe to on our website. There's a place that says, "Hey, subscribe here for the email to learn more about HK." You get new product information, you get uh, web store promotion inf- uh, information, and then also we'll let you know about uh, events that are going to be happening in your area. Um, and then we we don't. That's just our information that we keep. So we don't share mm-hmm. people's email information with anybody else. It's just for us. Okay. Awesome. I like that. And then for people who want to follow HK on social media or find that website, what is that information? Uh, the website is hk-usa.com. Um, and then we're on Facebook and Instagram, just under Heckman and Coke. All right. I don't know what the exact... 
just go there. <laughs> yeah. Just, just search for it. You'll we're, find it. A, we're the big one. If there's something that says Heckler and Cokes fanboys or whatever, and it has <laughs> seven followers, that's probably not it. So. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the only issue is like with uh, social media, like censoring and shadow banning. And I've even if you like the page, like finding it, it's almost like you have to spell out the entire thing before it appears, which is so right. frustrating. Well, and then one thing we encourage people to do is whether, well, normally I'm what I guess it's called a lurker, right? I just I just observe what's happening in, in, in my social media streams and I don't feel the need to comment on things and to engage with them. I mean, there's already 3000 comments. What yeah. makes me think? The three thousand first comment matters, but it really does matter if you if you're dealing with um, gun friendly sites. Uh, if you engage with these brands enough, then Facebook has a very hard time ignoring you. And, and yeah. so, if you want to want to make sure that stuff does get fed up into your feed, then engage with it. Yeah, absolutely. All right, moving forward with the rest of the show, IWI. Speaking of courses, uh, they have their Tavor operator course coming up at the beginning of November in Eagle Lake, Texas and Lewisbury, Pennsylvania. One of my patrons last year took the course. Uh, she said it was a ton of fun. Basically it's a two day course. It teaches you all about the use of the Tavor, the functioning, cleaning, maintenance, a lot more. One of the really cool things is if you take the course, you can one use a loaner. So you do not need to have the Tavor to be, you know, to take the class. And then if you decide that you want to purchase one, you get a pretty substantial discount, which are, you know, the patron, Melissa, she did. She actually bought herself a divorce for Christmas. Love that. Um, if you guys want more information, just head on over to IWI.us. And while you're there, if you find any accessories that you'd like to purchase, remember, use the code GUNFUNNY15 and that gets you 15% off. Today in politics. Politics. What is going on in the world today? It's political AF. CDC takes aim on gun control. I don't know if you've seen this article, but basically in, in keeping with Biden's gun control agenda, the Center for Disease Control and Prevention is entering the database with director Dr. Rochelle Walensky to which they're telling CDC that criminal misuse of firearms is a serious public health threat and something has to be done about this. The CDC has already studied firearms uses for years. They have programs that track firearm-related injuries, which data often shows the facts don't align with gun control arguments. One of the things that's in this article is, even though they're taking on this added research, is they haven't even contacted like NSSF or really any gun owners. They're all just kind of doing this research on their own. Uh, like for example, uh, one of the things that they always stated was statistics on death of children under four involving a firearm while incredibly tragic is less than 1%. Gun control advocates often try to say that young children finding a gun is a huge risk and extremely limited cases of that don't support the argument. CDC is prevented from studying firearms issued by the Dickey Amendment, which is not true. That's what a lot of uh, gun control advocates have said. The Dickey Amendment only restricts the CDC from advocating gun control, which had often occurred prior to its passage. Last year, Congress allocated $25 million to the CDC to study gun violence. By declaring gun violence as a, quote, public health threat, 
Their plan is to use unconstitutional authority, just like they did with COVID to implement gun control. Like I've said before, they're pretty much coming at us on any angle that they could possibly think of Uh, without getting it through Senate, which, you know, we have a a razor thin margin keeping new laws from passing there. CDC Director Walensky is the same person who, without any legal authority, issued a nationwide moratorium on evidence of renters. The Supreme Court shamefully allowed it to remain in effect by a margin of one vote because it was about to expire. Walensky then extended it another year in spite of the fact that it was ruled that the CDC does not have the authority to do so. You know, just another example of, like I said, how they're coming at us from all different angles. And it's just crazy, $25 million that they just pushed to the CDC to do this. And it's just really interesting to see how they're even doing their research. I don't know, Bill, you have anything to add to that? Yeah, think about this, Ava. Let, let's let's just leave our little community, our tribe for a second here. And think we're in that middle place in America where maybe I don't have a strong opinion about Second Amendment one way or the other. And I hear both sides shouting at each other and what. So I'm just one of those people, okay? Do I want my CDC doing this? Yeah. I mean, they're they're handling the current pandemic so well. Um, right. I mean, isn't this just a distraction? How about you deal with an actual disease? I know. And is are you looking for things to do? Are you not busy enough? I, I can't see middle America being t- really jazzed about this endeavor. Yeah, I know. I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, okay, Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. And they are going to be researching gun violence. It's not a disease. Yeah, I know. I like, I had to actually read this article a few times because I'm like, it's really hard to even grasp onto just because it doesn't make sense. It's it's a behavior. It's not a disease. Yeah. And if anything, I mean, I guess work on mental health. Like why do humans have no issues taking another human's life or, you know, I mean, there's more than just the, the tool that they're using, but like nobody's really concentrating on, you know, those issues. So it's just, I don't know. Yeah. I I just don't see a a swing voter being real jazzed about that. Right. And then to think $25 million, like those, that's our tax dollars like at work. Right. Yeah. Oh, that's so crazy. Uh, Manafort arms. If you guys got a Yugo M85 or M92 AK, definitely check out the Renegade Forum for Manicor Arms. Right now it's on sale for only $19.95, which is less than half the price. The Renegade Forum has a U-shaped cross-section to improve ergonomics while blending it with the receiver better than most forens. The arc lock version allows attachment of Manicor Arms, uh, the arc-like rails, the MOE polymer rails, and impact weapon component and slot accessories. They're available right now in Magpul Black and Bakelite Orange to match, you know, the authentic Bakelite AKs, which I love. Um, definitely check those out, manaforearms.com. Remember, you're going to use the code AVAROCKS15, all one word, and that's going to get you 15% off. Today's Q&A. Q&A. There's no such thing as a stupid question. Just kidding. Visit gunfunny.com forward slash contact to submit yours. Who won the Taze Ava or Don't Taze Ava crowd? 
Well, I'm happy to say that you guys, you guys must love me because you actually paid more to not see me get tased than to see me get tased, which I greatly appreciate because actually I really, I wasn't looking forward to getting tased at all. I was kind of like scared of it. <laughs> and, uh, I have like, I have a lot of friends that are in the military and you have to get tased and they're like, yeah, it sucks, but it's not the end of the world. And, you know, and I don't know, I just kept hearing all these things. And then some people were writing on my YouTube channel that like, who knows how my body will react to it. And if it'll cause like any sort of permanent injury, which I think is pretty far-fetched, but it still was enough for me to be like, Oh, I really don't want to get taste now. So, uh, yeah. So, uh, September 1st was the deadline for that. All of that money that was raised is going to be donated to Fire and Policy Coalition, who, in my opinion, they're doing a great job, you know, fighting the good fight. You guys will see that uh, and receive more information on that here in the near future. I would have had it lined up a little bit better, but, you know, the whole leak in my house sort of like, you know, just kind of threw my schedule off a little bit. But yeah, so, but you guys do have, uh, you have it, you heard it here that uh the don't tase ava crowd actually won so thank you which bill have you ever been tased i am proud to say i've declined every offer i have been given <laughs> so you didn't give in to peer pressure no i, I <laughs> and i don't know what it is about me is it, i live a pretty calm and boring life so i've never had anybody uh justified in tasing me so but i've had many people say hey bill want to try this want to try this you know no um, yeah, I remember one time there was this gal at shot that, you know, some, I don't know if it was actually taser. It was somebody that had some kind of electronic zapper weapon mm-hmm. that was just hanging out in the aisles at shot show, grabbing men and going, Hey, you want to get tased? You know, and she had like the alligator clips, so it didn't have to shoot you with the prongs. And I, oh. I was shocked at all the dudes. I mean, she was really pretty. She was like a model or something. Yeah. They're just, yeah, yeah, sure. You can change me. I'm just like, dude, that's pathetic. Right. No, <laughs> no, you can't tase me. I don't know. My biggest fear is like, uh, I'm like, watch, I record this on YouTube. I end up peeing myself, Right. you know, like just something I could just imagine like the worst of the worst happens. Right. And, and then if I did get tased, I'd want to get tased like in the back as opposed to in the front. Like imagine it catches on my belly button or something. Like, I don't know. I just, I think like worst case, but then apparently there are certain areas that you don't want to aim at. And yeah. it just, it was, it was getting a little too complicated for me. And I'm like, there's a reason why they make this to protect yourself and, you know, that are used on the bad people. And I'm like, I just don't feel like I really want to put myself through the torture, but uh, I don't know. It's, it's crazy. And then the one that I had, so I don't know if there was a way to, uh, to change this, but the one that I had, it was the taser, the pulse X but the prongs come out, it attaches, and it will actually taste somebody for 30 seconds. You can set it down, run away, you know, call in or one, but I'm like, I'm not trying to get taste. It is one thing to like get taste for a few seconds, but we're not trying to taste me for 30 seconds. <laughs> so uh, I'm not even a little bit curious. Yeah. What about, Don't what about pepper know. spray? You know, I've, I've, I've never been directly pepper sprayed. I've, I've gotten kind of the whiff of it as somebody else got pepper spray. You know, I pepper sprayed yeah. a dog once yeah, um, and got a little bit of blowback, you know, and that was enough, you know? Yeah. Um, One time when I was younger, my mom must've had pepper spray like in her bathroom with her perfume. And I thought I was spraying perfume on me. Oh no. <laughs> 
And so I know all about like you put water on it and it like makes it worse or it like, you know, activates again. And yeah. So I just, and I had to have been like 12 or something when it happened, but oh, yeah. Yeah. Great. Well, there may be a pepper spring in my future. I'm, I have a, I'm on my wish list of, of classes to take. I do want to take a pepper spray class from Chuck Haggard. And I understand that you, you don't get the certificate if you don't get the spray. Wow. So. Well, imagine also like having to get pepper sprayed and then you have to like do push-ups or something or still be able to, you know, I mean, I doubt that they'd have you operate a gun or, you know, but I mean, just that kind of training where a lot of military and law enforcement mm-hmm. go through and it's like, oh, I'd be like in fetal position crying. <laughs> right. But Yeah. Tactic Talk, discussing popular guns and gear. Love it? Hate it? Find out now. Paulison, they just announced a new microsite. It's the Advanced Enclosed Microsite, the AEMS. The new site's pretty small. It's only 2.1 inches long, 1.4 inches wide, and 1.7 inches tall, and it only weighs 3.6 ounces. It's rectangular and has see-through flip covers built in for extra protection of the lenses. While it's pretty small, the viewing window has been maximized so that it's larger than most smaller sized optics. All of the features that you'd expect from Halson, which includes the shake awake, the 50,000 hour battery life, solar panel, auto and manual brightnesses are included. You know, I got to say, you know, side note when I was at the range, so because I had issues with my optic and I've never had an optic battery go dead on me. And I brought three ARs with me, two of the freaking batteries went dead. Wow. Yeah. And so this is just more of a reason why I like that shake awake because I always, it's the same thing with ear pro, the electronic ear pro. I like when they automatically shut off when it's, you know, there's no use because how many times do you forget to turn it off? And honestly, usually when I go to the range, I just make a day out of it. It's not like I'm just there for an hour. Okay. Go there, you know, leave. So a lot of times I'll take breaks, you know, I'm BSing with whoever I'm with. And I don't know if it's like, okay, you know, maybe sometimes it'll be like, Hey, you know, it's getting hot. Let's just wrap it up but I already had my ear pro off and, you know, I wasn't using my guns. And then now you're concentrating on loading everything up and you forget to turn off the optic Mm -hmm. or your, you know, your ear pro. And, and the next thing you know, you're like me and you had two freaking optics where the batteries went dead. I was was like so mad. And I had to use this AR that was like heavier than shit. It was like 10 pounds. Wow. But yeah, I'm like, if my arms don't look like model material after this, I'm going to be pissed. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah. I'm a Holosun guy. I they really make am. some really nice stuff. They got the two guns I use the most, uh, the rifle I use the most and the pistol I use the most, both have Holosun sights on. In fact, I've shot this new sight of theirs. So. Oh, really? What did you think of it? I thought it was awesome. We had, we had a training event back in June that we did uh, with the media and, and Holosun came out with the optics and we had Weber Tactical was out there with holsters. And so they, they partnered up with us for the event. And so we got a sneak peek at it. Uh, back in June. So we were running that site on MP5s for three days out there. And yeah, I love, I love it. I, I hadn't thought of it before. And I guess I, I'd shot an Aimpoint Acro a few times, but not really spent a lot of time with it. But just by going from a round tube to a square box um, increases your field of view. I mean, yeah. 
because in a circle you're cutting off the corners, right? So, and and that square box takes up just the same amount of space as that round tube does, but you, like I say, you don't have the corners. So I think just it gives you a little bit of. So I'd imagine if you were just learning how to shoot a dot or whatever and kind of having a hard time finding it, that 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 might be helpful. Yeah. Um, just because it's harder for the dot to hide up in that corner than it is to skip out of the circle. Yeah, definitely. What about with night vision? Did you guys have a chance to try it with night vision? No, it was all, it was all daytime stuff. Like, so we ran it on MP5. So we did a little MP5 class and we, we ran the shoot house with them. And, um, and I, you know, I was already familiar with Hollis on that time. I like all the features. I like the multi-reticle. I love, you know, like you said, the, the shake awake is awesome. Yeah. Uh, for battery life but what's also great for battery life is it's got that solar fail safe on it as well yeah so um even if your battery does die um if you, it, it doesn't take a ton of ambient light to run that dot yeah exactly i agree the only thing that i could see is like a, a con is like so it comes with a lower like one-third co-witness mount so if mm-hmm. you are using night vision it's not really high enough and then even without night vision, some people prefer like a higher mount and, mm-hmm. you know, Holson, their, their mounts proprietary. So you'd have to wait for like the aftermarket companies to make a higher mount. Yeah. I think over time you'll see that market kind of yeah. a little bit, but yeah, there is, there is a certain struggle with being an early adopter. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I think they're, they're planning to be on release to the public or they're going on sale on October 1st. As far as MSRP, I'm not sure. Yeah, we're lucky. We've got a few here already. Oh, okay. That's cool. Rub it in. You know, I have some contacts at Hollis and I can contact them if I want. Yeah, give Louise a call. He's a good man. Yeah. <laughs> he, knows, he really knows his stuff. Um, and he understands what it takes to promote his product. I mean, we went out to this event and it, he, he was all on board and and we've all gotten good media off the event that we did, but, but, but all the optics that we used at the event, he said, Hey, take them hmm. um, because we're doing other, he's not done. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They're, we're doing more of, I'm, I'm headed off to another event. And, and, and so the, all the guys at HK pro, uh, the HK pro forum next week are going to be able to run MP fives with this new site on it. Nice. That's really cool. And plus everything's already zeroed in too. Right. I'm, I'm a, I'm a set it and forget it kind of guy. You know, I mean, some people, yeah. are, they, they got they're switching stuff around all the time. It's like, no, don't touch that. Gun. Oh, I know. That's the way I, I want it. That's, a, that's exactly how I am too. Um, and then also you mentioned Weber tactical and they do make some really nice holsters. That's what I was running over this past weekend. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. So. All right, GSM Outdoors, they own, well, they have the company GPS Bags. This is another huge pet peeve. Like whenever I go to the range, I don't just bring one gun. Even if I'm like, okay, we're just gonna, you know, we're just gonna do AR practice. We're not gonna have any cameras. We're just doing this for me, which it sucks because being like a content creator, it's so hard for me not to take pictures or videos when I'm on the range. Cause I'm like, these are really like, these are missed opportunities. <laughs> But I, I really just wanted to go out there, like looked like crap, felt like crap, but really just like work on my skills. And, um, but I'm still glad that I, I didn't just bring one gun because as you can see, you could always have issues. Like, for example, I had, you know, issues with my optics. 
And I ended up using the gun that I brought for like last, you know, worst case scenario, which I had to use. But as a result, because I bring so much stuff, it's like, it's such a pain to like pack everything. And then you have a million bags and you have, you know, back for this and a bag for that GPS bags, like made it where you can really optimize like the use of a bag. So they have range bags that'll hold more than one rifle. Um, on the front, you know, there's pockets for your magazines, your ear and eye pro your ammo. I really love their range bags. They have these inserts for your pistols because, you know, if you're going to bring like, let's say five pistols, you don't want to bring every case that that pistol came in. This is great. Cause they have these like little foam inserts and it's just, I mean, they've done an awesome job designing these bags. So definitely recommend checking them out. Their website is, you would think it'd be like GPS bags, but it's not, it's, let's see, it's gooutdoorsproducts.com. Definitely recommend check them out. If you find a bag that you want to buy, don't forget to use the code gunfunny20. That gets you 20% off. That code will also get you 20% off Walker's, Birchwood, Casey, Cold Steel, Tech Mac, and True Glow. All right. Today in the AF segment. Stupid. Funny. Cool, interesting, awesome, as f- never mind. AF censorship reaches new low. Bill, I'm sure you've seen this uh, this letter circulating. This woman, her name is Shannon Chapel, mother of the Marine Kareem Nikoi, who oh, was killed yeah. in Kabul. She had her accounts deleted for criticizing Biden for how he handled the withdrawal and blamed him for her son's death, which I can only imagine. I mean, as somebody who, you know, is lost, like I lost my mom, losing an immediate family member, especially like when a parent has to bury their child. Like, I just feel like that's something that is just no parent should ever have to do. I can only imagine her emotions and everything that she felt. And not to mention, I mean, me just seeing how Biden handled, you know, pulling out of Afghanistan and just, it was done so poorly and half-assed. And I mean, that alone would make anybody mad, but she started posting, you know, critical statements about him. Instagram started flagging posts from like months before stating that her account would be deleted. If she continued to post content that quote violated community standards, which Instagram subsequently deleted her account. She then made a post on Facebook with a message to Biden after she saw him at the dignified transfer of her son, where Biden repeatedly looked at his watch. I think somebody said he looked at his watch like 30 times. It was 13. Oh, 13. Okay. 13 times. So that's like, I mean, that's ridiculous. Like how, how disrespectful. Yeah. What I heard was when I saw an interview of two of the dads and this this directs home for me. My oldest daughter is a Marine. Wow. So, and they were interviewing two of the dads and they were saying that as they were bringing each of the caskets off the plane, they were, there was a salute. And then every time they'd come down from the salute for each cactus, ca- cactus casket, each one that he checked his watch after. So on, on every single casket, he checked his watch. Why? I mean, did they eventually find out what the hell was on his watch that was so important? At the time of day, right? Yeah. You think Joe Biden's got a got an Apple Watch and he's getting texts? Right. He's got a wrist watch. He's got a regular. He's got a Timex. Wow. Or a roll, probably. So he's literally checking the time. So it's not he even. Just, it wasn't even like he got some notification. 
I don't know if he's just uncomfortable and wanted to get the hell out of there or if that's a nervous yeah. thing or he's, he doesn't really know, care what time it is. He's just doing that. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I can almost give him the benefit of the doubt on that is an awkward situation and people behave awkwardly in awkward situations. But then I've heard about some of the conversations that he had with the parents and yeah. just, he just doesn't care. Yeah, exactly. So that's what I was thinking. I'm like, you know, you really don't know how people handle death. Everyone kind of handles it differently. But then, you know, Shana like did say, you know, she talked to him and he tried to basically say like, oh no, I feel your pain. I also, and and she's like, no, this isn't about you. It's about my son and his blood is on your hands. And she continued to go on and, you know, pretty much tell him off. And he just like, was like, okay, yeah, whatever. And, you know, wave of a hand, like, all right. Yeah. Like just didn't care. And, and it just seemed like the way that he handled it was just so, I mean, just disrespectful. It was really just disgusting. Like he, he really could care less. She wrote about this and Facebook quickly deleted her account after that. And then after a massive public outcry, Facebook and Instagram expressed their quote, deepest condolences and they said that her account was incorrectly deleted and that they have restored it. But it's just like That's their go-to excuse, isn't it? Yeah. Like, oh, whenever, it's an whenever they get busted deleting something that just is just an egregious lack of, of, of empathy or, or facts or whatever, that the, the go-to excuse is always, oh, it was a mistake. It was a mm-hmm. mistake. You know? Yeah. It's like, no, you meant to do it. It's not a good look because if they'd have deleted that post and said it violated standards or whatever, but the fact that they went fishing for something else that they could argue was a violation of their community standards, that tells me that they looked at the post and went, well, there's nothing here that we can technically tie to our, our terms and conditions. Let's go find something that, that does. Yeah. So you, you can't tell me it was an accident. Somebody went fishing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I don't know. It's just, I wish, I wish there was some sort of form of social media where we didn't have this kind of censorship because it really does. I mean, even with like COVID and stuff and you couldn't even mention the word COVID without them being like, well, we fact checked it and we found that this was actually not true. So yeah, it was just, I don't know. It, It really does. Like it enrages me, everything that is happening in Afghanistan. It's like my heart just breaks for all of the innocent people that are still there because we just, you know, we didn't realize that the Taliban was gaining momentum as quickly as, you know, as we thought, even though we have all this advanced technology and it's just, you know, they must like Biden administration must think that the, I mean, which is kind of true. The general public is just total idiots. Like we don't really question anything, but. Yeah, it was, it was tough for me to watch, you know, that one, I don't know how, if I'm pronouncing her name right, uh, Sergeant G or G or however you pronounce it. I mean, there were pictures of her all over the internet before she was killed, holding babies. And, yes. up and, up. and then, you know, it just reminded me so much of my daughter, who's also a Marine. Yeah. And, you know, and then she was killed. That kind of hit close to home. And, you know, they, they say that, you know, the expression, there's no more tritic expression when, than the, when they say, when America goes to war. Well, America doesn't go to war. America goes to the mall and certain families go to war. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, iTunes review. Uh, only one review this week, and it is not my kid's account titled This Podcast is Legit. Five stars, awesome podcast. I enjoy all the guests a lot, which I follow on the gram, and the ones that I don't, I soon make that change. Being an instructor myself, listening to you and your guest experiences 
and how you approach new shooters have given me verification of how I teach. Congratulations on getting sponsored by Federal. And shortly after you making that announcement, I imagined if I would have received such an honor, the first person I tell was my mom. I recently lost mine this year uh, in a quick illness. Then soon as I had that thought, I heard your thoughts similar with wanting to tell your mom, not knowing your mom, but knowing moms, she'd be extremely proud. Well, thank you. Since you're the only review this week, contact me for a prize pack. Just go to gunfunny.com and I will send out a prize pack. And Bill, did you know that I just got sponsored by Federal? Well, I guess it's been like a month now, but. I think that's great. I've got a lot of good friends at Federal. Oh, do you? They, so they, I had a lot of fun with like, you know, when you, cause they invited me to an event and then they were, you know, from my knowledge, what they said is if it went well, then they were going to offer me a sponsorship. And, but I really, I, I didn't know anybody there. And I was just like, I don't even know what I'm signing up for. The only person that I knew that was going to this event was 22 Plankster. And I got to say, like some companies are really straight laced and just like, uh, like you, you know, you just kind of feel a little uptight with, and then other companies are like, man, like all the people behind that company just makes me like the product and the company so much more. And you just want to work like, you know, 10 times harder for them because you're just like, I love the product and the people. And that's how I felt with federals. Like I just had so much fun with everyone there, they really have picked just amazing people to represent their brands. And it was just like, it just automatically felt like family. And I second that I've had so much good experience with that group. Um, You know, years ago when I worked for Savage, it was owned by Vista Outdoor at the time. Uh So I got to work very closely with the crew at Federal and um, they've been great to us at HK because we've gotten in a bind more than once where, you know, you're working on a product development project and ammo availability, right? You're looking for ammo for testing of your prototypes and, yeah. and uh, it, it's just not available. And then you're hearing, oh, this is backordered. So, and more than once, the guys and gals at Federal have shuffled us to the front of the line to keep our projects moving along or we just call over there and they're great. What do you need, Bill? You know, yeah, um, they've been very, very good to HK. So, and I would imagine too, when you're doing product testing, you don't want just like crappy ammo. You want a company that they're putting out like quality stuff, not just right. like, you know, some of the, cause then you don't know if it's the gun or if it's the ammo. And I've, you know, how many times exactly. I can't tell you how many times I've done a gun review where it's like, you know, the gun keeps jamming. You're like, oh, it's actually the magazine that doesn't like this magazine or, you know, it's the brand of ammo and quality control is not the same, you know, per manufacturers and, you know, and, and also just walking through federal's uh, factory and just seeing like all the quality control and all the systems and stuff. And it's just, yeah, I think I couldn't have lucked out better. Honestly, I, yeah. I honestly don't think that there's a better ammunition company out there. You'll so. like working with them. They do a great job. And yeah, like when we're, when we're testing stuff, I mean, there's like endurance testing where, okay, you just got to get a lot of rounds to the guns, but yeah. like on function testing, you got to, you got to make sure the most popular items function in your product. Right. So if yeah. you're making a, if you're working on a nine millimeter, you got to have a pretty healthy supply of federal HSD nine millimeter, right? Yeah. Because that's, that's what people shoot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's a good point. All right, guys, it's time to wrap up. You can find me at gunfunny.com. Consider becoming a patron to support the show. 
blown deadline. He actually just posted a freaking awesome Tavor uh, X95 uh, that was a patron's and they won the $300 uh, gift certificate and uh, they had him do an awesome Cerakote job. You can scroll down and kind of see that it's, it's uh, like a, it's the X95 and it's like some sort of camo, but it looks freaking amazing. If you're a patron, you automatically get entered into that drawing. Also wanted to thank the $25 patrons, Corbin Bonafide, Iraq Veteran 8888, Ryan Morrison, Justin Paulson, Jason Anderson, Sportsman's Guide, Daniel Treadwell, Keith Callamore, and Melissa Ridings. King of the Patreon, still Jon Snow. He wants me to say that Operator Tickles doesn't go to funerals. She doesn't need to confirm her kills. <laughs> All right, Bill. Well, thank you so much for joining me today and finally making the time for me. And I love everything that you guys are doing over there. Keep up the great work. Can you just remind listeners once again, where they can find more information about HK products, websites, social media, all that good stuff. Yeah, we're on all the usual social media channels, Facebook, Instagram. Um, and then our, our website is hk-usa.com. All right, cool. Well, on that note, we are out of here and I will see you guys next week. Want to send feedback? Tell us about a company or anything else. Go to gunfunny.com forward slash contact. <laughs>